The snow is falling, the nights come early, and you're listening to Burning Rock Radio. Burning Rock Radio is the ongoing story of Ivy Romeo's search for her friend Sam. If you're new to the podcast, we suggest that you listen from the beginning. Chapter 29. Brave Names of Men and Celestial Women. June 2002. So, I said, shutting my car door quietly and stepping out into the empty street, is there anything we're looking for specifically? Don't get me wrong, getting access to Brad's computer was a huge deal. But if it was anything like my computer, it was probably packed full of all kinds of useless stuff. We would have to wade through a lot to find what we were looking for, and I thought it would be more useful if we had some keywords to look for or something. I think the answer to that question was clearer in my mind when I thought we were looking for a human kidnapper or murderer or whatever, Crown replied. All bets are off now. I would say we should be looking for something, just anything weird. Anything that looks like it belongs in the Twilight Zone or Star Trek or something. You don't know what either of those shows are about, do you? I asked. Not really. He shook his head. He pulled a small flashlight out of his pocket and directed it toward the highly reflective surface of the arcade door. The effect of the light on the glass created something of a mirror and for a split second, I stood there just looking at our reflections. We were an interesting pair, both dressed in heavy coats and boots like we thought it was going to be much colder than it actually was. I turned to look at Crown, and he looked back. We unlocked the ice cream shop door, presumably using a key Crown had stolen from Sam, and I found myself hoping that Sam wouldn't be mad when he found out that we had come here without him. Normally, I would have wanted him here. His humor and sense of adventure always gave me the energy I needed for something like this. But after tonight, I felt better being here on my own. Nothing about the arcade had changed since the last time I had been there, except somehow it felt even creepier now. I think it was darker, too. There must have been more moonlight coming in the windows the first time I had come. I walked over to the counter where we had found Brad's computer. Crown was already on the ground, bent over an open drawer. He shined a flashlight up in my face, and I turned away, blinking and halfway blinded. Did you look through these? Crown asked. Well, I said. The truth was I hadn't even thought to go through the drawers the last time I was here. Not really. Crown nodded and seemed neither surprised nor disappointed. I promised myself that I would be more thorough in the future. It's okay, there's nothing here anyway, he said. Except... Crown pulled out a stack of papers, stood up, and dropped them on the counter with a thud. He turned and held up a piece of paper. I turned my flashlight toward it and found myself breathing in sharply. It was a drawing of a very familiar creature. The exact same one I had seen out on the road last night. The style of the drawing didn't match Brad's other work. In fact, this one reminded me more of the style of Logan's creepy monster book. 
In this particular sketch, the creature was either sleeping or dead, curled up on the ground next to a garage bay in some kind of industrial-style building. Is this what you saw? Crown asked. Yeah, I said. Crown put down the piece of paper. It might not have been such a good idea coming here tonight, he said. I frowned. Why? He looked at me like I had lost my mind, and maybe at this point I had. Ivy, look at this thing, he said. If this thing is really on the loose, we could be in an astronomical amount of danger just being here. I mean, how strong is it? How fast is it? If it wants us bad enough, is it just going to run us off the road and rip the doors off the car? I realized then that I had never explained just how big this thing was. Just how scary. Crown was looking at a drawing on a piece of paper, and even he knew he should be worried. I should be worried, too. If even Crown was afraid, I had no business feeling brave right now. Even so, I did my best to steel myself and keep moving forward. It was almost three in the morning, so we wouldn't have to wait too long for the sun to come up. We can wait till morning to leave, I suggested. It should be safe then. There will probably be plenty to investigate anyway. I gestured toward the computer and the rest of the room. You're probably right, Crown said, nodding and looking calmer at the thought. So, Brad had definitely seen the monster. Yes, definitely, I agreed. I thought about the fact that I had seen the monster for the first time in my dreams and wondered if maybe Brad did too. Crown went to the computer next and pulled out his phone. Okay, he said. I'll read the password and you can type it in. At first I didn't understand why he didn't just type the password in himself, but when he started rattling off a complicated series of random numbers and letters... I realized tag-teaming it was definitely the easier option. I finished typing and pressed enter, and the computer brightened and came to life. Strangely enough, Brad's desktop was immaculately ordered and organized. I'd expected a total tire fire given the state of the arcade, but instead I found a single file folder on his desktop titled Desktop. When I opened it, it revealed about a dozen other files labeled things like personal, research, and finances. Figuring out which file to click turned out to be the most obvious decision of the last nine months. There was a file nestled in amongst the others simply titled Monsters. How about the one that says Monsters, Crown suggested. I shot him a half glare and clicked the file. The page was filled with photo files, video files, and documents. A small note in the corner of the screen indicated that there were over 350 separate items contained in the folder. Crown leaned over my shoulder. Whoa. Where do we even start? I said. He pointed to a couple photos at the top of the page, and I opened one. It showed the rough outline of a smeared footprint in the mud. It was interesting. The print appeared to have three extended toes, possibly with claws at the end. Even so, the print was imperfect and there was no sense of scale to the photo. 
Theoretically, this could have belonged to something much more benign than a tentacled sky monster. Like a chicken, maybe. I clicked through to the next photo. This one instantly caught my attention because I had seen something like it before. The photo showed a rather uninteresting patch of sand and sagebrush tucked behind a hedge of blackberry bushes. Upon closer inspection, however, I realized that there was a large impression in the sand, a huge rounded indentation. Something had not only left a hole in the sand, but pulverized the surrounding seagrass and sagebrush. I pointed to the impression. I've seen this before, I said, outside of Lana's office window at the mug store. Crown nodded. It looks like something has been camping out there. Sleeping? Hibernating? Something big. My mind flashed back to Logan's picture book. This is going to sound crazy, I said, but we found that kid's book written by Sam and Lana's family. It shows one of the monsters curled up under an apartment building in a shape just like this. Crown breathed in and pushed himself back from the desk. This is by far the weirdest story I've ever covered, he said. I laughed and clicked out of the photo, scanning the folder for anything that stood out. Whoa, Crown said again. He pointed to one of the video files. It was titled 488 Amherst Road. That was the address of our apartment building. Crown and I exchanged a look and I clicked on the file. The video took a moment to load, and for a few seconds, I worried that Brad had deleted the file. Then a man's face popped up on the screen. He was thin and looked like he hadn't slept in quite a while. For a moment, I didn't recognize him, but then I realized it was Brad himself. Brad breathed a huge sigh and leaned back in his chair. This just keeps getting weirder, he said. Last week, I mentioned the monster size impressions I've been finding all over town. There are quite a few of them if you don't mind getting accused of dumpster diving and crawling around under blackberry bushes. He held up an arm full of pink scratches as if to prove the point. Before I forget, I should also mention that I've been finding some sort of strange, liquid, possibly blood-like substance near some of the impressions. It supports my theory that the creature has been injured, which in turn opens up the possibility that we may be able to kill it if it comes to that. Crown paused the video and turned to me. I guess that's encouraging, I shrugged. They're not indestructible. Crown nodded. We can only hope, he said. But right now I'm thinking more about the blood-like substance. Does that ring a bell for you? I realized quickly what he was getting at. You mean the stuff we found outside the arcade, I said, and the stuff on his door. So the monsters are connected to all of that. Crown nodded grimly and pushed play on the computer again. My search finally took me all the way down to Amherst Road. I thought I might find an impression down there. Those Amherst kids are weird. And I did. I found an impression. What Amherst kids? Crown asked. 
I knew immediately that Brad was talking about us, or me at least. I was the one dreaming about monsters. I was the one who saw them when I went out into town, and I was the one who was experiencing weird teleportation incidents like I was some kind of X-Men character. But how did Brad know? Brad continued, If my theory is right, and those monsters are somehow related to the powers we're developing, that would suggest that those Amherst kids are getting seriously dosed up on monster juice. Powers? Crown said. I glanced at him nervously. I wasn't ready for this conversation with him. I wasn't ready to explain all of my deep, dark secrets to Crown because I still wasn't sure that I trusted him completely. I think I did, but it was so hard to know for sure. Brad was throwing out so much information, I felt like a little kid in school, reading above my grade level, reaching for a dictionary so I could define terms. Only in this case, there was no dictionary. Just a missing guy rambling about monsters from beyond this world. The video ended, and I went back to the main folder, this time searching for anything having to do with powers or the address of my apartment. A certain level of horror was settling into the back of my mind. If there really were monsters surrounding my building, that meant that seeing them out on the road at night was the least of my problems. They were practically living with me. It also meant that, in some sense, these monsters were most certainly allowing us to live. And that somehow was almost worse than the thought of them attacking us outright. I found a video dated for March 8th titled, Superpowers? Brad's face appeared again. This time he was wearing glasses, which he promptly folded up and put aside. I know this is crazy, he said, but I'm starting to think that me and some of the other people in this town might be developing some kind of... powers... Brad lifted his hand, and we watched as a small, bright spot began to form underneath it. At the same time, the lamp beside him seemed to dim as if he were pulling all of the light out of it and condensing it above his desk. The orb began to take shape, the bright, watery shape of a tiny beetle. Brad grimaced, and his hand shook, apparently leading the beetle to swirl and flicker. Finally, Brad lowered his hand and exhaled shakily. It shouldn't have surprised me, not when I knew that I myself could teleport. Even so, seeing that on film was unsettling. I'm not the only one with these powers, Brad said. At least, I don't think I am. I've run into other people in town who seem to have just a little too much Luck. A little too much influence, maybe. Who did he mean? I glanced at Crown, but his eyes were glued to the screen. Brad continued. There's something about Lana. I can't explain it yet, but something's off with her. And there's something about that new girl, Ivy. I was walking home the other day, and I saw her just sleeping in the grass, which is not that strange in and of itself, 
But when I looked back, she was just gone. Way too fast to have moved normally. Okay, so I had teleported before. Great. That was really good to know. The video ended and Crown turned to look at me. He didn't actually ask me a question, but the question was obviously there. And I decided that it was time to fess up. Crown was putting a lot of trust in me, and I probably owed it to him to be honest. Still, the thought of it was about as exciting as grinding up my own teeth and drinking them in a smoothie. I have powers too, I said. He raised an eyebrow, but didn't say anything. The thing is, I can't control it, I said. I just went to sleep in my bed last night and had a dream, and I woke up at the ice cream shop. What? His response made me think he hadn't believed me the first time. Look, I know it sounds crazy, but Sam saw it, and there's video proof, too. Plus, plus we just woke up to a world where monsters are real, so is this really the most surprising thing going on tonight? Crown crossed his arms and nodded. At first, I thought he was still having a hard time believing what I was telling him, but then he spoke. I think I might have some weird stuff going on with me, too. What do you mean? I said. Sometimes I have dreams. About the monsters? I interjected, halfway hoping that Crown would share this thing with me, too. Somehow, even though it was terrifying... It was less terrifying when there were other people involved. No, he shook his head. It's different. I can talk to people in their dreams. For me, dreaming is practically the same as reality. There are just a lot more talking robots for some reason. I considered this, and though I had no reason to doubt it, once again I was shaken by the enormity of it all. I thought back to the time that Crown had showed up in my dream, how weird it was, and suddenly the puzzle pieces seemed like they were clicking into place. The picture they were creating was utterly terrifying and exhilarating at the same time. Finally, I nodded. You'll have to show me, I said. October 2007 I've known Crown for six years now, and there are times where I still feel like I know very little about him. Crown isn't the kind of person who offers a lot of information about himself or his thought process. He's a good interviewer and an even better conversationalist, but though it might take you a while to realize it, Crown gives away very little about himself. He blends charm and an extensive database of facts and information into a dazzling facsimile of friendliness. To some extent, whether intentional or not, he uses that facade to get you to talk about yourself. When you look back on the conversation, though, you see something you missed in the moment. You see the crown that I see tonight, standing in front of me on the beach. The crown is silent 
Everyone else is silent too. That's how you play after all. So at first it doesn't seem like a big deal. Crown's silence goes deeper than whether or not he speaks though. As he stands there on the beach, dressed in black jeans and a jacket with a high collar that's a little too nice to get sandy, I can't help but think that he's a wall. Other people are doors or windows and Crown is a wall. He looks like something out of a movie or a video game. He would be the wizard, the one standing on the beach only to disappear in a cloud of stars and sea mist and a swirl of sand. Most of us put on an act to play monsters. Most of us become quieter and more somber and more alert than we really are. But I'm kind of convinced that Crown becomes his true self out here. Crown bends down and takes a small pouch out from under a log. He holds it up and points to me and I step forward, knowing the rules well. When it comes to playing monsters, you get out of it what you put in. There are times when I certainly phone it in. There are nights where I just want to have a little fun and still be able to sleep at night. But you know what? Tonight's my birthday. I want to feel it all. As I step up to Crown and reach my hand into the bag, I look Crown in the eye and for a moment there's nothing there of my friend at all. It feels like looking into empty space and I can't help but shiver at the drama of it all. I draw out a small plastic Easter egg. We've changed the selection process recently. Now we use eggs and all but one of them hold fluffy toy chicks. If you find a chick in your egg, it means all is well. All is right. You've found what you expected to find in your egg and you're innocent, just like the little bird. If, however, you crack your egg open and find a toy snake, you're about to embark on a very different evening. I take my egg back to my designated area and wait as the others collect their tokens. From here, Crown gives two quick clicks with his clicker and the rest of us turn around and start walking away from each other. After about 10 yards, we all stop and all around me I hear the pops and cracks of plastic eggs opening. I open mine and feel the cool plastic curls of a small snake. So it's me. I'm the monster tonight. It seems like quite the coincidence, and I wonder briefly if Crown had done this on purpose somehow on account of my birthday. I immediately doubt it, though. Crown's a stickler for the rules, and even if he wanted to cheat, I don't know how he would have managed it. Surprisingly, I've never played as the monster before, and though nothing about my circumstances have changed, I find that my mindset is entirely different. I'm not being hunted anymore. I'm the one doing the hunting. I'm the one doing the scaring. I'll be the one to chase down the final victim as we make a break for the bonfire. To be honest, I like how it feels. A twig snaps nearby and I look up to see Lana a few feet away, closing her egg. I smile an encouraging smile hoping to throw off suspicion. Then I turn and walk toward the woods. I take out my clicker and 
toss it in the brush. I won't be needing that tonight. I make my way up the beach, drifting in and out of the tree line, looking for a good vantage point. Thank you for listening to Burning Rock Radio. Visit us at www.burningrockradio.com and follow us on Instagram at Burning Rock Radio. As always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. And Sam, if you're out there, we all miss you and hope to see you soon. <laughs>